hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Exodus. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, as well as thick cloud on the mountain, and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They stood their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like a smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak, and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people not to break through to the Lord to look. Otherwise, many of them will perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people are not permitted to come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and keep it holy. The Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let either of the priests, either the priest or the people, break through to come up to the Lord. Otherwise, otherwise he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. When God finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. This is the word of the Lord. God of the fire and mystery, God of the commandments and the simplicity. Open us to receive you today. Meet us in our journeys, draw us into you and send us out into loving action in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, good morning, and if we haven't met, my name is Adam, and I serve here as, as one of our pastors, and when I was in college, I went to college in Santa Barbara, uh, there, our equivalent of Pearl Street is called State Street, and there was a guy who would walk around with a dog, on top of the dog was a cat, and on top of the cat was a rat, and he would just kind of walk around and be seen, and people would stop him and take pictures, and they'd like, the dog would lay down, and the cat would lay down, and the rat would lay down, and just like hang out, and it was a spectacle because it's this strange pairing, right? Like this, like, I don't think those things really go together, but there was something about it. It was like, okay, you know, this is kind of weird, but I'll take a picture. It was a strange, this strange pairing of animals, right? And so it caught your eye. 
this, uh, as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about the strangeness of mystery and simplicity being paired together. And it brought to mind another strange pairing in my life where just a couple of years ago, I experienced for the very first time uh, the combination of chicken and waffles. Now, I, I grew up in Montana. Uh, we ate chicken and we ate waffles, sometimes even on the same day, but never together. Like, I, I didn't grow up near probably 200 miles within 200 miles of a restaurant that served chicken and waffles on the same plate. So uh, a few years ago, a restaurant opened near my house that served chicken and waffles. We were there with my family, and I saw them delivered to another table, and I thought, like, that looks all right. I might give that a go. And it was delightful. As many of you know, if you've tried chicken and waffles, it's a pretty wonderful thing. You get the, like, the savory, maybe put some hot sauce on the chicken so it's spicy, and then you just, this wonderful, sweet bread it was, it was a good moment when I first tried chicken and waffles, and now I, I really struggle to even think about ordering anything else when I'm there. But it's a strange pair, right? Like, you, you wouldn't necessarily think they'd go together. And I think that that same idea applies. Like, mystery and simplicity, like, they're related in some way, but it's kind of a weird connection, right? Like, why, why are these things together? Well, let's, let's explore this story a little bit, and we'll kind of jump around in the Bible, and I think we'll see a, a little bit of a relationship emerge and, and some words for us to, to go out with in terms of how, how mystery and simplicity are carried together. So we have this passage that God appears in mystery. I mean, literally, he lights a mountain on fire, and it's wrapped in smoke, thunder and lightning happening. God's speaking through, like, this trumpet sound. It is, it's weird, like, I, I would think, if I was going to call, like, what is, what is God's mysterious nature? Like, how do I envision that? These words get pretty close to it. I mean, when was the last time you, you appeared in fire on a mountain and spoke in the thunder? Right? It just feels otherly, right? This mysterious piece that is so, like, not human. Right? When was the last time you guys were in a thunderstorm? I mean, there was a few this summer. You guys remember, like, your house shaking if you've ever been outside, maybe high up during a thunderstorm, it gives you some perspective on who you are and who you're not, right? And you guys, you guys feel that? There's a sense in this moment of God appearing in mystery that, that brings out this, this, like, God is other, completely and wholly other than me. And I, I don't know about this. This is kind of strange. So God, you do your thing. I'm going to be over here and do my thing. And that's what the people actually say. Like, Moses, you go talk to him because we we're not interested in like this speaking through thunder and fire and lightning. Like, we're just going to give it some space. But there's this, this power, this, you might say, divinity that's present that is clearly not, not human, right? But out of it, so we had, the, we had three passages, right? We had from chapter 19, from chapter 20, about going up to the mountain and the smoke and fire. And in between there, uh, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And we had ten chapters of literally almost every line is a do this, don't do that. Here's how this should work. This big, this uses fabric. Here's this metal. These are the people who are going to do it. A whole bunch of commands of how to live in the world ended with, and then Moses came down with the two tablets of the covenant that God wrote with his own finger. So we have this huge, mysterious interaction with this otherly God that is expressed, it comes out, and the output is uh, some commandments. Very tangible things that have to do with our daily lives. The simple thing. 
Don't kill other people. Love one another. These are commands that have to do with the regular stuff of our lives. You might call them radically familiar. This is like our everyday. But they were born out of this this mysterious interaction, this expression of God that is just out there. Now, for the purposes of our conversation today, I want to just say that simplicity refers to our actions, the way that we go about life, the things that we do, our experiences in the world. I know it can be a little bit confusing, but hold on to that picture of simplicity is, is the actions that we take in our lives. And I, and I want to say that, that mystery and simplicity, I'm not setting them up as opposites. Okay, they're not opposed to one another. They're in relationship. And, and I want to characterize the relationship in this way. That simplicity, the actions, the experience of our lives, is the ground of access. We might say the pathway into the mystery. You got that? The ground of access or the pathway into the mystery. Because God, the God who is the clouds and the fire and the, you know, up on the mountain and thunder, that God is so far from what we experience as people that we need, we need some point of access. And so to engage with this God, to walk in relationship with this God, is, is expressed in simplicity. These daily these ways of being, the commandments. Do this stuff. Don't do that other stuff. This is familiar to us. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't envy. Love one another. Respect each other. Now, I'm not saying that our human experience, our lived experience is not complex. I'm not meaning simple in that way. I'm meaning simple in in that this is the thing with which we are the most familiar. This is about our just daily lives. All of us, every morning, we wake up, we look in the mirror. The, the, the simplicity of God applies to us. These, these commandments, these do these things, be this way, as a way to engage with this holy other God applies. Sometimes, I think when we're paying attention, we want to take these two things, the mystery and the simplicity, and we want to pull them apart and kind of do the either-or thing. Some of us really love the simplicity, the tangible actions, the the doing of the things, the clear mandate to go out and get after it. Any any of us like that? I guess you feel that, right? Yeah, there it is. Very clear. Raise their hand. But it's easy to, to get stuck in the doing and lose the why, this mysterious cloud of, of explanation so that life can become this technical execution. So for Christians, this might just look like you do the things that you're supposed to do. And actually, you know, you come into some moments of, of ambiguity, and so we add some layers of technicality, some more like, okay, so in this moment we do it this way, and then in that moment we do it this way, until you have page upon page upon page upon page of how-to and do's and don'ts. The technique becomes refined over and over and over until we have an unbearable list of rules. And what was meant to be a life-giving thing to help people engage with God becomes a millstone around our necks and it just drowns us. 
Take, for example, um, there's lots of examples of this in the Bible, but, but the idea of Sabbath. You should rest on the Sabbath. This, this gift, this practice, this tangible doing that was meant to help people retain our humanity. We work a lot, but rest on the Sabbath. Take a break, play, reconnect with God in leisure. You don't have to do anything to be, to be worthwhile for God. You just sit and rest. But that, that sense, that idea became something else entirely. I would say for, for us it can be some, become something else, and, and we can look back at the Bible and see that it became something else for them as well. If we, in, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is walking up to a synagogue, and there's a man in, in the front of the synagogue with a withered hand. And the religious experts are kind of watching, like, what's he going to do? Is he going to violate the Sabbath in some way? Just kind of like looking for ways to get Jesus in trouble. And, and Jesus says to them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And he heals the man's hand. And the religious experts are kind of like, okay, great, we got him, we got him. We got, you know, he broke the Sabbath. He did this, he did work on the Sabbath. That's how distorted it had become for them that, that the law now was prohibiting Jesus from providing healing and health and wellness to another person. This, this practice that was meant to bring life was now being used to say like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't actually bring life in that way. Now, I think it's important that, uh, that we recognize that the, these good gifts that God gives us that are intended to help us into a relationship, this, to help us into the mystery, can become just burdensome rules so that we follow all the rules, but we never actually know God. So we go to church, we read our Bible, we give our money, we volunteer, we do all the stuff that you're supposed to do. We're good people. We know all about God's story, but we don't actually know God. So we, we take simplicity, we take these, like, do these things, and we take it way out to the far edge, and we just live there. We've completely divorced it from the mystery. Now, that's not to say that simplicity in and of itself is a bad thing. Absolutely not. Because when, when simplicity is held, perhaps as it, as it was intended, when it's directed towards God and relationship with God, words like, Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor, which, which are the distillation, kind of the linchpin of all the law and the prophets. Words like, love your enemies, forgive, sell all you have and follow me. Jesus says, all of these quote-unquote simple things, these commands, that even though we might experience them as impossible, as we practice them, as we lean into them, we find that they serve as access to the mystery of God. They serve as a way to engage how to live in relationship with this God who is holy other, who is fire and smoke on the mountain. And we actually know this experientially. Uh, I've had some experiences where, you know, like I'm wrestling in my mind, like, what is God like? I don't get it. Why is, why is it the way it is? Is this all real? Like, what, what's this all about? And then have the opportunity to go and maybe serve a meal to someone who's hungry. Or in college, I got to go and build homes for people who need homes uh, in another part of the world. And it, it wasn't that those questions in the mystery went away. But as I was hammering nails into boards that was literally making a shelter that was sustainable for a family, 
the questions I had about why God was the way God was were not as pressing to me. Something about the experience of living, living out what it means to love other people helped me not understand the mystery, but just be present in it and let it be what it is. That, that act of simple love in action gives us access into the mystery. It doesn't make sense of it, but it lets us in a little bit. Okay, let's talk about mystery. I was reading uh, about the, mysteri- the mysterious nature of God this week, and, and I, lost the, I lost the author of this, but there's a quote that went along the lines of, of like, no, not only is God more than we imagine or more than we comprehend, God is more than we can imagine and more than we can comprehend. I kind of played with that for a little while, and I thought, like, I need an illustration. Like, how can I help illustrate this? And let me tell you, there's nothing like trying to imagine how to describe the mystery of God to remind you that God is beyond what we can imagine. Just kind of went around and around and around in the coffee shop and then realized, like, oh, I get it. We can't illustrate this. It's actually a mystery. So uh, there you go. Good luck. You're going to have to get by without the illustration. But some of us park here. We live in the fog. We like it for a while, but then it gets confusing. We try to find our way around and get a sense of the lay of the land, but it just doesn't seem to make sense. It feels like we're trying to grab smoke. You ever try to do like, there it goes, there it goes. You just can't get a hold on it. And if we stay here, if we take the mystery way out, like we did with simplicity, we end up paralyzed. I mean, literally, like there's no ability to do anything. You can't take any kind of action because you haven't figured it out. We're waiting for this understanding, and it prohibits us from practicing anything, from trying anything out. And so we wander around, kind of lost in our own minds. Wondering, like, how does this all work? And we see this, actually, in in the Bible as well. Paul, in in Acts chapter 17, goes to this place called the Areopagus. And this is a place where people have gathered and made all these statues to different gods. And they come, and and it actually says, like, they spend all of their time telling or hearing something new. Literally exploring, like, what's out there? Can we we get this all figured out? Like, let's, let's try to paint the whole picture. And they have a statue to the unknown god just in case they missed one. And, you know, like, it's so mysterious out there, there's probably something we didn't get. Let's make a statue to that, just in case. And Paul comes and says, I know that God, that unknown God. And instead of saying, he's more mysterious, more unknown, more unreachable and unattainable than all your other gods, Paul says, this God is the maker of all people. Seek and find him. This God is attainable. Not out there, impossible to touch. He says he's not far from us. And then these famous words, in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. So Paul walks into this moment that is like just this fog of maybe there's this God and that God and that God and that God. All these other things that we, what can we even, we can't consider all of it. Like what's over there? What's around this corner of thought? And what's under that rock of thought? We need to explore it all and know it all and map it all. And God says, or Paul sums and says, God is with you. God is in you. God made you. God is tangible. 
has become one with us here and now. He brings some simplicity in, calls them back from the edge of mystery to say, you've got to hold both of these. And I actually think if mystery is explored earnestly, if the mystery is entered with some kind of lived action, that we can arrive at a familiarity with or a comfort with, maybe even an experience with this God who is wholly other, who is beyond what we can imagine, who is beyond what we can understand, but not beyond what we can experience. I think if we, if we enter the mystery that way, that we find that the love who is there, this God who is love, becomes the engine for all of our actions. Sends us out in the world to love in all kinds of ways. So we have mystery, we have simplicity, we have this little word in the middle that Will, Will alluded to earlier that's really important, this and. It's up on the screen there. That's an ampersand, symbol of and. We need this and. We need the simple lived action, the guidance in practical living, the simplicity to direct us, to be the access into the mystery, and we need the mystery, the why, the purpose of it all the forever unfolding love of God. Which, when we access it, when we, when we rest in it, when we sit in it, always leads back to the simplicity of loving action expressed in our real life and for the sake of real lives. This isn't about balancing two ends of the spectrum. It's about becoming one thing. the union of the unknowable mystery of divine love, God himself, with the completely known, familiar, painful, beautiful ground of our own lives. Where do you like to sit? You like to sit in the mystery, in the fog, play with the thoughts, removed from the tangible life? Or you like to live in the to-do list, the right actions, all of the good things we're supposed to do, where do you live? Maybe you bounce back and forth. My experience is, has been back and forth all over the place. Sometimes I sit over here in the simplicity, and sometimes I sit in the mystery, but it's hard to hold them both together in the and. We need that and, that holy and. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus, I think, is the ultimate union of the mystery and the simplicity. Jesus is God, divine love itself, and Jesus is human. Bones and skin and sore throats and hangnails and tears and laughter and showing up for our friends and feeding strangers. Jesus is the love of God dressed in flesh and bone, the marrying of the divine mystery with our human experience. And the gift of the Christian story is that Jesus is yours, fully yours. It is his delight to know you and love you. This means that you don't have to figure out the mystery. You don't have to paint the picture. You don't have to get it all mapped out. And it means that you don't have to do it all right. You don't have to fix all the problems. You don't have to check off all the boxes. You don't have to master anything. 
The strange union of God in mystery and God in simplicity is perfect in Jesus, and Jesus is yours. Receive him. Now, the invitation to receive God in Jesus is going to look different for all of us. Some of us have been trying really, really, really hard for a long time to just do right by God. And maybe it was through the Christian faith, maybe it was some other you know, philosophy of life, but you've been trying hard to do the stuff you're supposed to do, to be the kind of person you're supposed to be, to be kind and generous and you know, volunteer, be wise and humble and courageous and pursue justice and be merciful and, oh yeah, love your enemies and maybe even love yourself and forgive all those jerks that you run into. And just a couple things, right? The list goes on and on and on. We're trying really, really hard and, and we're exhausted. And maybe the reminder that the goal of all of that effort, the goal of all of that doing is already yours. It's given to you in Jesus. Maybe that sounds offensive. You've been working really hard to have someone say, like, what you're working for is given to you. You kind of think, like, what about all that stuff? Those years of my life spent on my knees, working my fingers to the bone. Maybe it feels offensive that the, the purpose is already given to you. But maybe, maybe it feels like real good news, and you can rest now. All that stuff you've been trying to acquire is yours. And now maybe the invitation is to be weaned off the certainty that comes from embracing the rules or white-knuckling the simple do's and don'ts. Maybe in its place, we can let ourselves uh, experience the wonder of changing leaves or the beauty of a quiet, restful Saturday or the confidence that can come when we sit in stillness and silence with God without an agenda. Others of us have spent hours pondering and exploring and studying and reading and trying to understand, comprehend, to unravel the mystery of God. To have some grasp on who this God is and why does God do what God does? For some of us, that pondering has left us just like fed up, like we're done. I'm just over it, forget it. Maybe there is a God, maybe there's not. I'm done with the whole thing. Others of us are still in the midst of it. All the mystery does is keep us churning to try to figure it out. Maybe the invitation for you is to walk with Jesus, to know him, to explore him in relationship, to be loved by him. I know that might sound foolish or short-sighted or you know, ignorant to the complexity of all there is. Maybe it feels freeing to you. You don't have to figure it out. Now you can descend from the maze in your mind and show back up in your community. Show up in relationships. Put your body into action to make a meal for someone, to offer friendship, to stand in solidarity, to forgive pray for someone, to love your city. And not because you've cracked the code, not even really close to that, but because you've received this gift of loving action in Jesus. See, as we practice the simplicity, as we, as we practice the stuff that is already given to us freely, we're not acquiring anything. We're free to try. 
we get access into this mystery that it, it doesn't explain it. But as one of my friends said, like, I just, I just know it to be true, even though I don't understand it. That's the gift of simple action. And the gift of the mystery is that it fills you with love as the engine to go out and practice other things, to love more in the world. This is Jesus, the and, mystery and simplicity, alive in one person, for you, given for you completely. Welcome him. Friends, receive the mystery of God who is love and let him lead you into loving action in your life. Let's pray together.